Today, of course, is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the day that we, uh, we mark uh, that day when Jesus entered Jerusalem for, um, for the last time before his death. Uh, we call it the triumphal entry because scores of people gathered to praise and honor him, um, waving palm branches, hence the name, waving palm branches as he came into the city. But by Friday of that week, the crowds turned on him. Uh, the disciples betrayed and deserted him. The Jews set him up and the Romans crucified him. Uh, yet his death became his victory because when he rose from the grave, he triumphed over death and he secured new life with God for all who believe in him. Belief in uh, uh, in eternal life is, is not uncommon. Uh, there are many people who believe, who believe in uh, an eternal life or an afterlife of some sort, although a Barner study reveals that millions of people uh, still remain uncertain about their eternal destiny. Even those who claim to uh, believe in an afterlife still don't know what it is, many of them. They don't know, they believe it is, but they don't know what it is, and so they remain uh, uncertain about their eternal destiny. Uh, they have no idea uh, what will happen when they die, and, um, and those who have some idea, or, or at least they think they do, uh, they hold widely different views, even tragic ones. So, for instance, many Muslims believe that martyrdom uh, speeds their way to heaven and improves their, their lot in heaven once they get there. Uh, Mormons believe that working their way up the ladder secures a better heaven for themselves and their families. Jehovah's Witnesses strive to be among a select group of people, uh, a predetermined uh, number of people, who alone get to enjoy the full pleasures of the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, and those in Eastern religions adhere to thoughts of reincarnation or just a, um, uh, a nirvana-like absorption of the soul. Uh, and so you may have heard this phrase that we just become a drop in this great ocean. That is the afterlife. And of course, Christians believe in the resurrection. Obviously, right belief about what happens after death has huge implications. If you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you know we're in the middle of a four-part Easter series on the resurrection. This series is based in this chapter here, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's, it's really the, um, probably the most condensed, uh, densely packed, um, extended teaching on the resurrection itself we have in Scripture. Um, so we've been spending uh, two weeks thus far, and then today, and then we'll conclude next week on Easter Sunday, it's devoted, devoted entirely to the resurrection. Today in verse 35 through 30, uh, 35 through 49, 
we find that the Apostle Paul is now, uh, he's anticipating possible objections to this reality. People in Paul's day didn't understand how resurrection is possible or what it looked like. And for 20 centuries, others, including people in our day, have wondered basically the same thing. How does the resurrection work? Uh, why should we believe in it? And what, and what should we believe? And what about those who've died and whose bodies were destroyed? Maybe they were cremated. Or maybe they were eaten by animals. Or maybe they were... Um, uh, disintegrated through some explosion or uh, just a tragic accident? These are, these are very uh, common questions. What happens to their bodies in the resurrection? And with, this, with these questions kind of meandering through our minds or through the human mind or the minds of those in Paul's day, the answer from this passage is simply this. Because Jesus rose from the dead, those who trust in Jesus are given life like his. Because Jesus rose from the dead, those who trust in Jesus are given a life like his. And I want to explore this with you this morning. Let's read it together. 1 Corinthians verses 35 through 49. Someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Uh, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies, and what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or of some other grain, but God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind, and the glory of the earthly is of another. There is the glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for star differs from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, The first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust, and as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image 
of the man of heaven. This is God's word to us. Father, we want to thank you for our time again this morning in the scripture. We want to thank you for the gift of life. Life itself is precious and... um, And uh, though we at times take it for granted or we just get into our routines that we take for granted, we want to just pause and recognize that uh, that you are our uh, creator. You are our author. You are the author of life. You are the sustainer of life. And so we come to you this morning in 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 many real ways. and, And would you help us to do this even more? Would you help us to offer our lives to you? In worship, Thank you for the gift of worship. Thank you for the time we've enjoyed already this morning in worship. What a joy that has been to my soul, to my heart. And, uh, and I'm sure that I speak on behalf of these, my friends and my brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we want to thank you this morning for, for your word that is life as well, that is power and Newness and uh, and has the ability to cut to the core of our beings, and 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 impart uh, life eternal. And so we pray that you would minister to us today. Would you take your truth, your word, this self revelation, uh, all of this that that reveals who you are? Would you would you just uh, impress that upon us today, so that we might see you? revel in you, be thankful for you, and respond to you in a way that is becoming uh, of a child of God. So come and minister to us, uh, bless us, uh, encourage us, and give us grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So once again, the Apostle Paul is addressing... Uh, two common questions in this passage. There's the question of how, and then the question of what. The first question, how are the dead raised, is answered in verses 36 and 37 with an illustration from nature, uh, that of a typical seed that, is, that, 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 that becomes something much more. A seed, you know this, a seed, when buried, is expected to become something else. Yet it becomes something else only when it dies. Only when the seed dies does the expected plant emerge. Only then has the seed achieved its, its intended purpose this is an example from uh, uh, this is an example of life and death, and Paul uses this example to illustrate the resurrection and how the resurrection works. He likens our earthly bodies to bare kernels. That's what he says. They're like bare kernels that anticipate something more, something better. After all, what do you prefer? Do you prefer the seed? Or do you prefer the plant that comes from the seed? The plant is the obvious answer. In fact, not until the seed becomes the plant is its true purpose realized. The seed 
Therefore, it's just full of hidden potential, but its potential is realized only when it dies. Only when it dies does new life emerge. Now, Jesus knew and understood this perfectly, of course. Remember, remember that he also taught when, when he was facing his own death, he said, the hour has come for me, speaking of himself, it's come for me to be glorified. Truly, I say to you, unless a seed falls, uh, falls to the earth and into the earth and dies, it remains alone. In other words, it remains just a seed. But, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. It becomes something much, much more. Jesus draws a clear line between his death and the fruit of his death, which would result in glory. Death was not an end for Jesus, but rather a passing on to glory. Only upon his death was he raised to new life, and yet not only was Jesus raised as he fully expected, he also secured resurrection glory for all who follow him. This is a pattern for us, the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. The ability of a seed to overcome death by producing a plant is presented as an example of God's power to overcome our death by producing new life in us. So then, our lives in this world are like seeds that anticipate something much, much better. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? <laughs> so... When Paul calls foolish those who ask how resurrection is possible, as he does in verse 36, he's speaking to people who clearly hadn't thought through it. They, hadn't, uh, they were just dismiss, dismissing the thought of resurrection when the reality of life after death is evident everywhere. By pointing us to the seed and the power contained within the seed, he's saying that nature itself gives witness to life after death all the time. And as we've said already, it makes sense. I even heard someone say, of course it does. Of course it makes sense. And so Paul is saying, why question the nature of resurrection when we have examples of it all around us? You know, we've been told for years, I believe this, I think this is true, we've been told for years there are no dumb questions. I think that's right. But there are dumb people. People who refuse to acknowledge what is plainly revealed. People who ask questions not to learn but to defend and debate faulty positions 
Those are the people Paul calls foolish because they dismiss the idea of resurrection without thinking it through. Anytime you look at a plant or a flower or a tree or anything that originated from a single seed, you are witnessing life that came as a result of death. The death of the seed brings life to the plant. In fact, what you sow does not come to life until it dies. That's the answer to the first question. The second question, with what kind of body do they come, is answered in the remainder of this passage, this section, verses 38 through 49. And, and Paul says, I'm going to break this down kind of into three parts. Paul says that they, 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 are, like, they are bodies chosen by God. They are our bodies, but of a superior nature. And they are bodies that bear the likeness of Jesus. Let's walk through this. Bodies chosen by God. To each kind of seed, God gives its own body as he chooses, according to verse 38. And so there are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Examples here of the, earth, uh, uh, of the earthly include human bodies and bodies for animals, birds, and fish. That's what we read here. Basically, I think what Paul's saying is there's a wide variety and different bodies look different. And then there are heavenly bodies, such, such as the sun and the moon and the stars. And though the earthly and the heavenly each possess a degree of glory, the heavenly is far more. The heavenly breaks into our world, but it is otherworldly. It is bigger than us. It is beyond us. The sun, for instance, is the center of our solar system. It's the greatest source of energy we know, which is why we're trying to harness the power of the sun through things like solar power. We want solar power on our tra uh, transistor radios for the Taramahara Indians with uh, Donna Marie Burgess, and we want solar power on our homes because we know, we recognize that the sun is the greatest source of power we know, and we're trying to harness it. We want it. It's why things like sunrises and sunsets take our breath away. Because in those moments, as we gaze out upon the sky, it's as if heaven is breaking into our world. The moon is fascinating also. Uh, people much, much, much smarter than me, and this is way beyond my pay grade, are trying to understand how the moon controls tides and seasons. Think about this. Your lives, our lives are affected by the moon all the time, every day, and we don't even, we rarely at least, recognize it. It's happening all the time, all around us, where heaven is affecting and breaking into earth. The stars are fascinating. 
uh, you know this, if you've ever gazed upon the stars on a clear night, um, uh, isn't there just this sense of, 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 of majesty, of uh, almost incredulity, so far beyond you? People have studied the stars for centuries. Some have looked to the stars for wisdom and guidance including those who followed the star that hung over Bethlehem when Jesus was born. When we look to heaven, we feel small by comparison, don't we? Because there is a glory to the heavenly not found on earth. And Paul is saying in verse 42, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. He's stressing that earthly bodies are chosen by God and when raised, they will resemble the glory of heaven. And then he continues down this train of thought by contrasting what it's like now with what it will be. Uh, What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Perishable means subject to decay. Things that are perishable have expiration dates. Uh, We know this about ourselves. We feel the effects of age. Our bodies slow down. Our strength is more easily sapped. Recovery takes longer than it once did. Uh, Back in the day when I was in youth ministry, I played all kinds of sports with high school students on a regular basis, all the time. And... I was better than them. <laughs> uh, I was faster. I was stronger. I was more athletic. Don't, let, don't listen to anything that Lauren or Andre might tell you. <laughs> but there came a time when things changed. When I was in my 20s, I had no problem when I got into my 30s, I was amazed at how much better they had gotten. <laughs> and by the time I reached my 40s, well, let's just say that my role in their lives has changed. I still remember, I can actually still remember, I don't know if this says more about me and my pride than anything else, but I still remember the actual game this reality dawned on me. We were playing flag football after Thanksgiving Thursday. It was a Friday morning flag football game right down here at Hillsborough Park. And for the first time, there was this reality set in, I can't keep up. Oh, so humiliating. <laughs> What 
what is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. Our bodies, we don't talk about this very often for understandable reasons. Our bodies are just not as distinguished or honorable as we sometimes wish they were. Um, They ache. They moan. They creak. I never knew what creaking, I know what creaking is now. Uh, Our bodies sag. They wrinkle. They sometimes smell. They get hair in weird places. It's just not very honorable, is it? It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. According to an online uh, article on thisinsider.com, muscular strength peaks at age 25. I'm sorry to have to break that to you. Uh, Obviously, working out helps. Um, But even the strongest and healthiest can be uh, completely subdued by the smallest bacteria. As a matter of fact, even this morning before service, I was having a conversation with someone who was telling me that at... uh, that when he was 25, it, there was, he had no idea that he was going to become a sermon illustration. When he was 25, he was as strong as he could be, and a, a small flu bug almost took his life. Or even the, the bite from the tiniest insect can be our complete undoing. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Natural in this sense means of an earthly nature. I've heard it said that our bodies are like earth suits. They're designed for our time on earth. So even as I'm talking to you now, I'm just basically wiggling the lips of my earth suit. (laughs) The suit isn't me. The suit isn't me. The real me is what's behind the suit. It's the soul, the spirit. That's why, listen, listen, that's why real love, real love is always more than physical attraction. Because physical attraction focuses on the earth suit rather than the person behind the suit. Our bodies today are perishable, sown in dishonor and weakness because they are of an earthly nature. But Paul is saying a day is coming when they will be raised imperishable in power and glory. They, uh, they will be spiritual, which is superior by far, because if the spirit uh, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will give life to your body also. There's continuity between our bodies today and our resurrected body. The body that is sown, notice, the body that is sown is the body that is raised. 
It's the same body. It's sown this way. It's raised this way. But there's a difference in what is sown because what is sown or there's a difference because what is sown is earthly. What is raised is heavenly. The first body is limited by our earthiness, while the second body, the resurrected body, has the full capacity of the spirit of God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And so when we look at Jesus, for an illustration here, in his resurrected body, he was able to appear and disappear at will. He could walk through walls, and yet it was still his body. Everyone still recognized him as Jesus, the Jesus they knew prior to his resurrection. When he was raised, he still ate with them. He still fished with them. He still taught them. He still walked beaches with them, just as he did before. It was still Jesus, but the post-resurrection Jesus was more than the pre-resurrection Jesus. And Paul is saying, so it will be with us. Our experience now and our experience then are related, but it will be much, much better in terms of ability and glory. In simplest terms, human history boils down to two people. There is the first Adam, the first human, and the last Adam, which refers to Jesus and his incarnation. All people throughout human history align with one of these two Adams. The first Adam received a, a human spirit. Uh, Genesis 2.7 says, The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. He walked with God in perfect harmony, but when he sinned against God, he fell from the glory God intended for him. Sin brought death to Adam in physical and spiritual ways, and such is the case uh, for all who come after Adam. All humanity is fallen and under sin's consequence. But God has not left us in this state. The second Adam, the last Adam, I want to make sure it's the last Adam. I don't want to say second Adam because that implies a third. It's the last Adam. The last Adam, referring to Jesus Christ, is not a created being like the first Adam. He didn't receive life. Rather, he gives life. Verse 45 says, Thus it is written, The first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. And then verse 47, The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And so Adam, as we read, was formed from the dust of the earth. He was earthly in every way, but Jesus came to earth from heaven. He, he was... He, was, he, he wasn't earthly, but heavenly. Now, he assumed human flesh and form at the time of his earthly birth. He was born in the flesh. He identified with us in this way. Yet he was without sin because he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. He lived on earth as a man, the perfect man. The model man, the, the, the model human 
the man the first Adam was supposed to be. Because he lived under the influence of the Holy Spirit his entire life. And when he died on the cross for sin, then rose from the dead, his, resurrected, his resurrection was what validated his death. In Adam, we are natural and earthly beings, but in Christ, we are spiritual and heavenly beings. That's the point being made here. Through Adam, we inherit a sinful, a sin nature, a nature that brings death. But through Jesus, the last Adam, we receive a spiritual nature that brings life. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust. Verse 48, verse 49. We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Elsewhere in scripture, the apostle John puts it this way. Beloved, we are God's children now. We are. We are. And what we will be hasn't yet appeared, but we know that when Jesus appears, we will be like him because we'll see him as he is. Not that we'll be God as he is. It's that the image of God in which we were created will be perfected in us. Sin and its effects will be no more, for we will resemble, resemble the man of heaven. And so it's a body of God's choosing. It's a body superior in nature, and it's a body that bears the image of Christ. This is what we will be by God's grace, but, but what about what is? How does this knowledge, this passage, affect us today? At a minimum, at a minimum, it should cause us to consider whose image we bear now. Whose image do you bear? All of us are born into Adam's likeness. We're born into Adam's original sin and carry with us a sin nature. And we've all committed our own sins many times. And so we can't just put it all on Adam. We can't put the finger of blame all on him. We've shared in, in our sinful state, but God has made it possible to be like the last Adam instead. Some of us, many of us in this room, we already know this. We already bear the image of Jesus. We are already receiving life from Jesus. Already we identify with Christ in this way so for us it's about living in newness of life i love what jim shared this morning when he began the service in prayer and saying as we enter into our holy week this week as we enter into easter week may the reality of the resurrection change how we live may it change our outlook on life 
Whatever your circumstances, whatever situation you're facing today, whatever you're going to face tomorrow or the tomorrows after that, how might your response to them be different were you to approach them with the mindset of someone who bears the image of Christ? How would you approach your relationships differently if you went into them remembering that that you bear the image of Jesus. In what ways do you need to allow the reality of resurrection life to break into your everyday life? Now, there may be some hearing these words, either here in this room or online later, who may not be in union with Christ, or you may not be sure whether you are or aren't. I just want to encourage you to acknowledge a few things. Acknowledge that you've fallen far short of what God intends. And instinctively, you know this. Still, amazingly, God loves you. God hasn't given up on you. So just admit that you've sinned. Admit that this is your state. Turn from your sin and return to God. Tell God your desire to do these things. Be honest with Him. Be forthright with Him. Just call out to him, converse with him in these ways and receive from God the gift of forgiveness and redemption and resurrection life. Entrust your life to Jesus and his image will be upon you. Go the way of Jesus, obey him. From this day forward, allow the Spirit of God to lead and shape your life. And then, listen, tell someone about this. Tell someone in the church about this. Because the church is also a gift from God that, uh, where we can help each other. We must help each other grow in Christ-likeness. It's all part of God's design. And so, from, from this passage today, we've considered how belief in the resurrection makes sense and what resurrection bodies will be. Uh, even an example from nature, the smallest of seeds gives evidence to the reality of life after death. And we've learned that resurrection bodies are ordained or chosen by God that they are our bodies, but they are superior in nature. And they are bodies that bear the likeness of Christ. So as I said at the beginning, beloved, because Jesus rose from the dead, all who trust in Jesus receive a life like his.
And so let us trust in Christ again today. Amen? Amen. God, thank you for our time. Thank you for teaching us, instructing us, shaping us, encouraging us. Continue to or help us, Lord. It's so easy to, to leave our church service and just move on to the other plans of the day. And I just pray you'd help us to mold these things, to reflect upon these things. Later today, throughout the day, throughout this next week, that the reality of the resurrection would break into, the reality of this heavenly glory would break into our lives on earth, even now, and affect how we live as those who bear the image of Jesus and are becoming increasingly like him. May he be praised always. May we be... um, May we be amenable and receptive to the Spirit of God and His work in our hearts. We look to you for this in in the name of Christ. Amen.